Welcome to The Edge. Grab a beer or a glass of bourbon. We'll have one. And join us as we discuss the latest developments in tech. Discover the stories behind some of the greatest innovations in our industry. Find out what trends you need to stay on top of and gain valuable wisdom that you can take back to your own business. Have your drink? Good. Let's dive in. Hello, and thank you for joining the Copus Edge. Joining us today is Chris Brank, CEO and founder of Let People See, one of the largest production companies in Greenville, South Carolina. Let People See has recently expanded to Charlotte and Atlanta and is one of the fastest growing video production agencies in the state. Chris is here to tell us his interesting story of entrepreneurship, explaining how he and his team have grown nearly five times in the past three years using technology and innovation to set themselves apart from the crowd. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. It's great to be on the show. So happy to have you here, man. So just diving right into it to start, um, can you tell us a little bit about your company and how you got started working in the film industry? Absolutely. So I started right out of school. I was a youth pastor um, for many years and started making just funny videos for the youth groups and like camps, uh, summer camps, promotions, message stories, that kind of thing. And eventually, like the parents of the youth started asking me, hey, can you make a video for our business? I wasn't expecting it, you know, like I wasn't expecting to uh, by any means start a business, but I did. I, I went freelance, kind of expecting to go back into youth pastor mode. Yeah. Um, but God quickly had other plans and it started blowing up. And from the very beginning, like I didn't want to go alone. I didn't want to do anything by myself. And so from day one, uh, I had someone working with me, even part time, you know, out of our little apartment. Yeah. You know I mean? And I was shooting and editing and and the goal became to build a fantastic team. So why was that such a big focus of yours from the very beginning to make sure you weren't alone and that you had a team with you? Um, yeah, to be honest, I just like, I don't like being alone. I don't like working alone. I, don't, I want the collaboration. I love collaboration. Yeah. I'm not one to sit in a dark room and edit all day. Uh, when shooting, I want to bring people along for the ride. And so for me, it was never about always doing the work, like being the best shooter, editor, producer, I wanted to find the people who could be the best and then build a team around that. Yeah. No, and I think that's, I hear that again and again with some of the greatest leaders. It's all about find people who do something way better than you do and just build them around you. Yeah. Um, and I love that. And so I was reading about the fact that you got your start by doing kind of just comedy shorts in school and then you started to do it, continue to do that as a youth pastor. What was it like transitioning um, from doing this as a hobby to actually making it your full time career? Yeah, I remember when. My very first client was a nonprofit client, Generations Group Homes, Generations Group Home, and they said, we'll give you $500 a month to make a video a month for us. And they said, we'll do it for 12 months. And at that time, that was the amount of my rent. And I said, <laughs> okay, I'll do it. And that was what, you know, that jumped me into video yeah. full time. And so it was, it was different. It was a lot of coffee shops, working out of a lot of coffee shops and a lot of, um, you know, building relationships that turn into long-term relationships, taking care of people. Yeah. But there's always the challenges for, uh, for growing. You start out super cheap. You don't quite know your own value yet, but then you have to scale. And over the years from going from one person to now a 20 person crew, like, you know, we, and we have some clients that we've worked with since the beginning and it's, it takes a lot of intentionality and, uh, and you know, you have to be very intentional to keep those clients through oh, all sure. those transitions. To, okay, they're working with Chris. So now they're working with Lauren. Now they're working with another producer. You know, but I think there's always been confidence and, and faith in us that we're finding the best people. That if I send someone else on a 
on a shoe that they're going to be better than what I could do. Yeah. You know, I'm not just trying to find, oh, I just don't want to do that anymore. It's no, like, one of our values is genuine care and concern, and that's it. Like, in out of genuine care and concern for each other and our clients, we've always tried to do what's best. And for that, that's, that's building a team. Absolutely. And you're so right. It's tough when you have longstanding clients to do a good job of making sure they feel heard and valued, especially when they're being handed off a lot. And when you're growing fast, it's kind of hard for that not to happen. Um, but that's awesome. You've been able to maintain or they've been able to maintain an attitude of trust and believing that you're just you're going to do right by them. And you're obviously striving to do just that. So that's awesome. We need more companies like that. Um, so can you dive a little bit into what an average day for you looks like? Sure. So we're coming out of a transition period, uh, which was us, you know, promoting department managers and really giving them full reign of their departments to be able to manage, you know, and departments for us are production, you know, where all the crews and they go out and shoot and there's post-production where all the editing happens and producers who are the project managers. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of the departments. And we've moved from, you know, kind of a few people managing all that to promoting department leaders, giving them full reign. And so now my job is really providing vision and mentoring those leaders through situations. So I'm still, the, the day-to-day that I'm involved in, Lauren now runs our, she's our president. She mm-hmm. runs all the day-to-day operations. What I'm involved in is when situations arise, situations arise, I mentor them through it. Yeah. And I provide vision. So I'm not necessarily the one dealing with all the day-to-day anymore. I'm looking forward, uh, looking at the Atlanta launches, the Charlotte launches, figuring out where we want to be in five years and then backtracking from that. Even something I'm trying to do right now is look and decide, okay, this is where we want to be in 12 months. And it sounds basic, but when you're in the middle of growing a business, it's, it's hard to do. Oh, yeah. Where do we want to be in 12 months and then backtrack? Okay, that means what do we need to do in six months, three months? What's what it going to take to get there? This month, which translates to what do we need to do today to get there? And I think people, I mean, it's, you know, it said people uh, underestimate what they can do in a year, but overestimate what they can do in a in a day or yeah. a month. So I'm trying not to underestimate what we can do in a year. So, I mean, I feel like just from the way you've talked about how pivotal you've found having a team is, was it tough for you at all to transition from being more involved in the day-to-day tasks to being more visionary, or do you thrive working in that way? I think there's, I remember coming into our office when there were, when the, all the interns were in, all the crews were in, everyone was in, 25 plus people in the office, and there's that feeling of, uncomfortableness because you're not in control anymore. Yeah. And so at that point, and I think that happens in a lot of businesses at that point, you can either decide, no, I'm going to get this back to a manageable size and control it. Or you have to have, I mean, a little bit of faith and trust that, you know, what you're building is going to work and let go a little bit. So, you know, so you can go much farther. And that's what, what I've had to come to several times. And now we're at that point. It's like, you know, I can't control over 20 people, you know, I've got to build managers and got to build leaders. That's what the past year has looked like. Yeah. But I I think you're right. I think that's, I think anyone who's grown a business has probably struggled with that. I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, you're probably a little bit of a control freak. So, I mean, I I think that makes total sense and is probably a natural progression. Um, so getting into a little more of the technology that you use day to day to be able to produce the great videos that y'all do. Um, what sort of technology are you using when you're creating your films? And can you tell us a little bit of how that changed since you got your start? Sure. So taking it back just a little bit, uh, used to do pictures on film. Before digital cameras, it was all film. That's mm-hmm. how you got things done, movies and pictures. They started inventing digital cameras like, you know, the little Canons. Uh, and 
you know, about the year 2000 around there is when the first like DSLR came out and it was made, it was a digital camera, but it was made to look like film. So that was kind of revolutionary is that you could get a digital camera that looked pretty close to film. If you fast forward to 2008, Canon decided to throw a movie like, you know, feature in there, a movie function. And what people quickly found out is because that camera was made to look like film, then you could make movies that looked like film as well. And before there was this huge, it was either you spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on a film camera, and now you could spend $2,000 and have something that looked like film. Yeah. That was in 2008. And so this entire, the industry kind of was disrupted. There were tons of companies that started in 2008 to 2011, right when I did, because the entry level was so, so much lower. And so that's when we started. You know, I remember getting the first DSLR, and we could make things that looked cinematic. Mm-hmm. And businesses did not have things that looked cinematic. You know, it was very it, news. It just kind of looked newsy, you know, kind of old school. And so seeing this new spin on it, which now you see every Netflix show is done in a cinematic yeah. way. You know, I mean, if you look at Seinfeld to Stranger Things, very different styles. You but know? I didn't even think about how the DSLR coming out would have affected the boom in business, because that makes total sense when you lower that barrier of entry. Of course, you're going to have so many more people flocking to actually get into that industry. Yeah, and it started a lot with wedding videographers. Because mm-hmm. wedding photographers were already buying those cameras. They could flip a switch, take a video. And it blew up in that industry, and then like it slowly trickled over to business. Yeah. So it's a very creative way of looking at it. And since then, I mean, of course, we've you know we've upgraded to different cameras along the way. But even that sensor tech that was revolutionized 10, 12 years ago is still that's still what people are basing all these cameras off of. Wow. So yeah. How has the advent of uh, cameras on smartphones affected the industry? And yeah. has that been challenging for y'all at all because I'm sure there are businesses that challenge the value of what you do by saying oh I could do that on my phone you know so how how has that impacted you and how do you kind of see that I mean I even think you know this next version of iPhone coming out this fall is going to have an ultra wide Mm -hmm. you know one of them will have an ultra wide oh yeah for sure uh, lens on it and that's going to significantly change the game people will be able to capture great stuff and I look at the um, the clips app I don't know if you've messed with that Mm -mm. But there's 3D sensing tech, you know, the face ID. Yeah, yeah. So there's a clips app and and you can hold it in front of your face and it will take out the background, you know, and it'll just highlight your face and put you in a different background. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's what green screen does. Yeah, except right. Except it's doing it without a green screen. It's 3D sensing your face. So in two years, that'll be applied to the rear camera and things will take off like we can't even imagine. But that's, so phone, the things like phones and healthcare, um, and self-driving cars are driving the camera and sensor tech. Because if you think about a car, I mean, even a, the Hondas sitting out there, um, they have, you know, the lane assist. And that's because there's a camera, you know, on the front and, and it's looking out. And so for that to work well, you need a camera with high resolution and great dynamic range because it needs to be able to see the lines at night and that kind of stuff. And so it's driving this tech more than a consumer industry would. Yeah. But it's affecting the consumer industry because there's people like Sony and Canon making all these sensors. I think it's so fascinating with the phones because now, especially with like um, Google's AI for their phone, I mean, it makes it the easiest point and click camera that you can get for a smartphone, you know, and they're getting it to where you can install that AI on other phones with better cameras. And so I'm really interested to see how, you know, you take a, a phone with a great ultra wide lens, you take Google software, which is the best industry. And I mean, who knows what you'll be able to do with that? Yeah. And it's taking a picture of a beach and then Google decides, 
oh, this is what the best pictures of beaches look like. Let me go ahead and emulate it a little bit. Yeah. And it changes the sky. It changes the water a little bit. And that's incredible. And, I mean, even on even iPhones – uh, Google, like if you take pictures, it'll automatically create slideshows for you yeah. and movies and GoPro will do that, you know, and that's all AI based. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that will ever completely take the play. I think yeah. there's still a creative curator that needs to be done. But if we could, you know, if, if we could use AI to edit the clips together from an event and let's say, you know, the AI is, okay, find the best event videos, the best shots, and it can quickly sort through a hundred clips to get you 30. Then that takes our time down by you know, 75%. Yeah. So I'm excited about that kind of, and I think with phones next as well, like what we're kind of looking at is with 5g, you know, you'll be able to shoot something and immediately upload it to the cloud. I mean, that's where we're going with five and 6g is that you're shooting. And right now it's stored locally, right? You know, on SD cards or it's stored on a phone, but that's, you know, with internet speeds getting faster, why can't it just be you? Why can't you be shooting and upload directly to the cloud? And so then why can't you have someone editing wherever in the U.S. that content immediately? Yeah. So right now we do overnight edits for festivals and events, and we need to have an editor on site because we need to dump that footage, you know, and we need to get that footage and edit that footage. But soon it's going to come to a place where it's, no, they're shooting, it's going straight to the cloud, and editor 500, 5,000 miles away is pulling it down, editing it right there. So that's the kind of speed that, that I think how technology is going to shift some of the ways that we're working. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's exciting. I'm sure that's cool just from the standpoint of how that opens up potential talent. You know, if you want to work with people who aren't local and stuff like that, it makes it that much easier to recruit. Yeah. Um, so you kind of just started to dive into it, talking about five, uh, 5G and 6G. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other innovations that you see coming in the next few years or even the next five to 10 years that you think are going to have a big impact on the industry? Computing power now. You know, when I, when I started out, Editing on MacBook Pros, the computing power was significant. Now most Macs that you buy at the store can handle a lot of 4K video editing. Phones can handle 4K yeah. video editing. You know, so you're getting to a point where that doesn't matter as much. You can spend a thousand, two thousand, and your editing power is there. It gets down to skill at that point. Mm-hmm. However, I do think as the internet speeds get faster, you'll start editing in virtual environments. You know, like the computing power will be in the cloud. So there's like a SaaS product for editing video, basically. So you're not having to spend a bunch of money on some editing software that you ha- that you own. Right. But even, I mean, even Adobe is kind of in a SaaS model at this point, too, even with local software. Yeah. So, yeah. They're moving that direction. Yeah, yeah. But no, that makes total sense because, I mean, I even watched something recently. I'm a huge video game nerd. And um, like Google and now I think even Xbox and Sony, they're creating gaming streaming services. So now instead yeah. of you buying a physical console, you pay a monthly subscription fee. You can play any game and you don't have to have a physical console. It's all uh, processed in the cloud. So yeah, it makes sense that film would be utilizing the same exact thing. And I think that's the question. Now the question is, you know, well, can you get fast enough internet? Yeah. Well, if you eliminate that question in the next five years, I think that we'll look back and, and laugh about the times that we had to upload or download something. Yeah. You know, it'll be like, oh, remember when you used to have to wait for something to load on YouTube? Like that's the stuff we joke about. We'll joke about in five years. Mm-hmm. And so things, yeah, like gaming and video. And I just imagine being able to edit in a virtual environment, and you can have your. I mean, it might come to VR glasses, or it might just be a computer, you know. But editing, uh, sitting next to an editor, you know, and watching their screen, but they're, you know, actually two hundred miles away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that, and that's I think what leads us into the ability to expand, you know, to go to Charlotte and Atlanta. Um, because we can do a lot of things centrally. You know, we're going to build crews in all of those locations, 
but we haven't decided yet if, if the edit will remain central or if it'll go there. I think some editing will go there. But really, I think it's going to become a mute point in, in you know, three years. Mm-hmm. We'll shoot everything from anywhere across the U.S., and it, then that footage can be edited, any, edited anywhere. Do you think the prime benefits of that are flexibility and speed? I think it's speed yeah. for clients. Now the need for content is more than it ever has been before. Yeah. When I started, everyone wanted a video for their website, and maybe that same video would go on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But that was it. And now, like, the Internet is a is a huge just hole for content, oh, yeah. sucking all this content, and brands have to produce more and more and more. And there's no doubt, I mean, you know, that video is is the best content to use. You know I mean, out of the – out of the text, out of the videos, blogs, video does go the farthest. Right. But it's also the hardest to create. It takes a lot more time to make a video than it does a, a text status update. Yeah. So what people are realizing is they need more and more video content. And so it's we're seeing a shift from 20 years ago, you would make a 30-second commercial, and you would get actors, and you'd build this huge – then it would be this huge process um, to get this 30-second. It's a one-time use. It goes on TV – and it goes to a certain target. It goes on Nickelodeon. Now you can create so much more content with such little effort. Because a lot of what we're finding is people are already doing things that are worthy of commercials even. For instance, like if your company is doing a, um, a serve day, or maybe they're serving in the community one afternoon. Right, yeah. You're already doing that. What if you captured it? If you captured it, you could turn it into like three things. You could turn it into a client-facing video that says, hey, we serve the community. This is why we're a good company to work with. You could turn it into an um, employee, like a recruitment video that says, hey, we're a company that believes in giving back. And you could also do internally and say, hey, you should get involved with these efforts. That could be one. It could be three separate videos. But the difference is you're already planning it. You're already going to do it. Yeah. So the next step is just recording it. And having a plan for getting that content. So that's it's, it's shifting people's mindsets to thinking, okay, what are we already doing that we can capture and push forward? Yeah, but no, I, I 100% agree. Um, that was actually something when I, re- when I was editing podcasts at Ingenious. It came out because we were interviewing um, business leaders in the community once a month. And we were recording the audio. And I was like, why don't we just actually cut that together and make a podcast you know it's already there it's waiting for to be used nothing's happening with it and and I see that again and again just and you talk about how important content is to stay relevant now and especially with SEO and ranking well on Google content's the number one factor um and so it it is hard to keep up and it makes sense that the faster you can get that out and the cheaper you can make it the better you'll do shifting gears just a little bit can you talk about um one of your favorite projects that you've been able to work on sure so a few years ago, we work with, we work with American Leprosy Missions. Oh, nice. Um, and a lot of people don't think leprosy still exists. Right. They think it's something that was in Jesus' time 2,000 years ago, but it's, it's, it's still there. Um, and there is a cure for it, which is – that's the crazy part. There's a cure for it. Uh, there's been a cure for about 30, 40 years, um, and now there's a vaccine that they're testing. So we're looking at the end of leprosy in our lifetime, but there still is leprosy. And so I got to take a trip to Nepal – um, to film, to go out into the jungle and the villages and film stories of people that were healed by wow. healed of leprosy. And, you know, in some of these unreached villages and people groups, you know, there's a stigma. They don't, they see leprosy and they think, okay, they must have sinned or there must be a curse. So there's a lot of stigma there. So they get kicked out of the community. Mm-hmm. So American Leprosy Missions 
not only, I mean, they heal them of their physical need, but then they also, you know, address a spiritual need as well. They've, they're completely abandoned, you know, and then they go back into their communities and educate. So American Leprosy Mission is a fantastic organization. And I got to go to Nepal uh, for a week and film all these stories and see it firsthand. And it was incredible. It was incredible. Uh, I think any overseas trip is usually eye-opening to what, you know, to what's happening here. But to think of the end of leprosy in our generation is that's incredible. Is cool to see. So Greenville's reputation as a tech hub is growing and has been growing for years. You made the decision to keep your HQ here in Greenville and build second and third locations in other cities. So why did you decide to keep Greenville as your main hub? Greenville's just a fantastic place to live. You know, and to raise a family, um, to have a company. The economy is booming. You know, 85 connects all these cities right here. You're an hour from the mountains. You're an hour from the lake. You're three hours from the beach. Yep. A little farther from the beach than I want, but, you know. Uh, cars will speed up over time, I'm sure. Self, <laughs> self-driving cars. Self-driving cars will, cars will speed it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it'll, get you, it'll get you there. And also, because it is a tech hub, you know, the innovations that I'm specifically looking for in our industry, which is the effects of 5G what the cloud computing can do. I know that this is a tech hub and that's where a lot of this stuff is going to come from. Yeah. I know leaders uh, in tech companies and they're trying to get, you know, the tech innovators here and they're coming. And so I think, think we will see uh, that innovation happen here. And I think that's a good point. That was something we talked to Christy about a lot, the director of communications and culture at Next, because um, they're all about bringing high growth startups to the area. And that's the huge focus is about bringing innovative new companies that can really establish and build a presence. And I think you're right. I think the community as a whole is really invested in making that happen. Yeah, I think so too, yeah. So you've obviously grown very quickly over the past few years. What are some of the greatest challenges that you face with growing at such a speed? Sure. So exponential growth, I've found, is very difficult. Uh, it's You need to hire the right people, and hiring takes should take a long time. Yeah. You know, it's hire slowly and fire quickly yep. is the – but when you're growing so exponentially fast, sometimes you don't have the ability to hire slowly. You just got to grab people up. Yeah. And if you can continue the growth and you've got a very strong culture, then that's fantastic. But early on, um, that's hard. You have to develop culture and hire and gr- and do all these things. And you make with money. And this is just an odd thing. If you have the money, you know, then you make decisions that you might not otherwise make. You know, we are self-funded. We started out with $500 a month from a client. Yeah. You know, and so when money's pouring in, you're making decisions thinking, oh, this will never end. But now seven years in, we've seen ups and downs and we've, and we've weathered them. And I think we're coming out of the other end wiser. And so exponential growth is fantastic. I'd much rather, you know, I'd much rather prefer 50% year over year. That's great growth. You yeah. Because you can, you can plan for it. You can strategize for it. You can, I think in the entrepreneur world, there is this exponential growth is this like, man, I would love that. You know, I'd love to have that. And, and that was me too. But now having experienced it, you know, not exactly slow, what you would choose. Slow proportional growth. You can, you can be much more intentional in your decisions. You can be persistent in the things that, how you want to grow. And so that's what we're doing going forward. If exponential growth comes, that's great. You know what I mean? And, and we'll take it and we'll have learned tons of lessons from, la- you know, over the years and we'll go for it. But uh, I would love some intentional, intentional growth. Kind of going off of talking about growth and how you've been able to sustain it. Sure. What are some processes that you've built in your company in order to continue to grow and expand? And how has technology played a part in that streamlining? So it wasn't that long ago that we were writing all of our projects on a whiteboard. 
Now, I remember when we got to 20 projects happening at once, and they were on the whiteboard, and we were like, it doesn't fit on a whiteboard anymore. <laughs> you know, what do we do? So we got a projector, and that would fit about 30. <laughs> you know, like we'd put it up there, and we oh, okay, there's 30 projects. And then so in the past year, we've implemented things like Slack, and we use a, we use a service called Airtable. And that enables us to, to – I mean, we've got, you know – 60 to 100 projects in the pipeline. It's like right project now. project management software. Yeah, it's or, like Google okay. Sheets on steroids a little bit. Okay. And it's just a completely customizable. That's a process that we've had to put in place. Uh, Google Docs, Google Sheets, everything is on the cloud, though. And I think that's what fascinates me is that, I mean, yes, these things were possible seven, eight years ago. You could work with those, but there's so much streamlined mm -hmm. now. I mean, Slack is such a mainstream, common thing for, and so it's getting easier and easier for companies to work all over the place. Well, and it's incredible to think that these tools that a lot of which are free, I mean, some, like some of them you have to upgrade to some kind of plan to get all the features you want, but these are extremely accessible and businesses are building themselves off of these things. And to me, that's amazing that for relatively little money, like you can have all the tools at your disposal that you need to get started. Yeah. And so, so that's one area that we're putting process. Another yeah. area is we've developed our production kits. You know, we're out in we're out in the field filming every day. But sometimes there's as many as four or five crews out at once. Right. And so we've had to build very specific kits and we've been very specific about we buy the same cases. You know, we buy the same SD cards. Everything everything in the kit is exactly the same. So if one crew has to take out the blue kit, you know, and they are with the pink kit yesterday, they don't have to wonder about where a light is or where a camera is or where a lens is. You know, we try to keep it completely Uniform. Uniform across. And that makes it easier for the team. I mean, that's how the uh, like the Navy trains for it. Everything has to be the same because if they're called in, they've got to be able to pick, to pick anything up and go and not be fly confused. whatever helicopter. Yeah. yeah. And they've got to be able to pick anything up, any case, and it's got to be uniform. So that's something that we've done as a company as well. Yeah. There's a lot of production involved in what we do. And all those kits and all that gear has to be the, the same. And another technology advancement is really LED. You don't think about it, but 10 years ago, it was hot lights. That's what you were filming. You know, if you were filming on a movie set or an interview, you brought in these big tungsten hot, hot lights. Yeah. And now LED is so powerful. All of our lights are LED. There wasn't, and even from the beginning, there wasn't any reason for us not to try to go that way because it's cooler. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can set up in a boardroom and not, you know, cook everyone out. Yeah, cook yeah. everyone out. So that's something that little, but now you can have so much light packed in with an LED. That's kind of changing the industry as well. Yeah, and we haven't talked about the technicalities of film very much, but obviously lighting is huge. So Absolutely. yeah, if you can have relatively low cost and portable equipment, that, yeah, that's big. That really helps. Yeah. yeah. So that's some of the systems we're putting in place to be able to expand in that way. So we kind of started to touch on a little bit. You talked about how your vision can't be something you just check off a list. It has to be something bigger. So what is your long-term vision for Let People See? And kind of what is the next step immediately? I mean, I think we've kind of talked about it with Atlanta and Charlotte. And then, but also what what really long-term are you thinking for this company? So for the next five years, mission is to become the Southeast's go-to video production company for corporate work and events. Events, conferences, activations. Mm -hmm. um, some of our mission is to expand to cities across the southeast where that is happening right now start we're starting with atlanta and charlotte they're right on either side of us and you can throw some gear in a car and get there yeah. and we're going to launch you know employees in those cities very soon another thing that we focus on another part of our mission 
It's to create long-term client relationships and also create a fantastic work culture for our employees. I love, one of my greatest joys in business is having employees, specifically in this industry. Because if you, if you came out of college right now with a film video degree, there isn't that much to do. There's news, you could go into news, or you could work, you could freelance, which is very tough, or you could work maybe as an individual person with a brand or mm -hmm. a church or a camp, you know, but you're kind of a one-man team. There's lots of one-man teams around. It's either for a company or by yourself as a freelance. And you can go into film and news, but those are much, those are, those are tough to get into. Yeah, super competitive. But now there's so many people that want to do video. And so for us, we want to provide a place where people can love their job and love the culture that we, and be collaborative. You know, a lot of our people have come and they've been one man bands for a long time, one woman bands for a long, 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 long time. And so to be able to come and work as a team is fantastic. It's time to wrap things up, unfortunately. Um, Chris, thank you so much for joining us on the Copus Edge podcast. It's been awesome talking to you. Um, for our listeners, if they have an interest in getting in touch with you or learning more about Let People See, how can they do that? Sure. Visit our website, letpeoplesee.com, Google Let People See. Let the people see. You can Google just about anything around there and get to us. Okay. Um, or email us, hello at letpeoplesee.com. Awesome. Well, again, Chris, thank you so much, man. It's been an awesome conversation. Thanks so much. Thanks again for joining us on The Edge. If you want to keep in touch or if you have any topics you'd like us to cover on the podcast, please reach out to us online. You can contact us through our website at copususa.com or by searching for Copus on Facebook. We'll see you next time.